This week, our podcast is about reverse dieting with me, Harriet Walker, dietitian. I'm excited about this one, Harriet. I'm very excited to be discussing this topic, pulling it apart and putting it back together. Let's go. Let's go. Welcome to the Body Science Podcast, bringing you everything you need, want, and should know about health, fitness, nutrition, and training. As always, the information contained in this podcast is for the information purposes only and is not designed to diagnose or be prescriptive to treat, prevent, or manage any injury, disease, or other health-related condition. Today's podcast is brought to you by Hydroxyburn Shred, Chaos, and Hydroxyburn Clinical, helping you smash your goals in and out of the gym. Hydroxyburn Shred is your daily thermogenic designed to blast stubborn fat cells, increase energy, and suppress appetite. Need something to take your training to the next level? Chaos pre-workout delivers the strength, power, energy, and focus you need to smash your next session. Want more? Stack with Hydroxyburn Clinical for all-day energy and to reduce the stress stopping you from losing weight. Welcome to the house of Fit, Happy, and Healthy Body Science HQ. With me, Harriet Walker, dietitian. Harriet, before we get out there, what is your Insta account? You can catch me on Athletic Eating, at Athletic Eating, which is my page where I put up all things sports, nutrition, nutrition, eating, and food. Where's your website? These uh, athleticeating.com.au. And the reason I say that is we're going to chat about reverse dieting and is it a thing? And I think you're probably going to get a few questions from people in relation to that because it is a hot topic. Let's dig right in. What is meant by the term reverse dieting? Okay, well, when you take a step back and have a look at which population are using the term. So this is not a general population term. It's not a term that you'll find in any sort of published literature at this state. However, it is a concept that started out, I suppose, anecdotally within physique, figure, bodybuilding competitors, mm-hmm. probably a bit in the powerlifting, you know, weight class sport as well as a result. Um, but it basically is a term that uses, is used to describe the sort of step wise increase in calories after a period of dieting. So when we diet, we've reduced our calories. So it's the diet after the diet, essentially, is what they say. The diet after the diet. The diet after the diet. So and what, and what what does that theory actually do? Like why are we doing that? Well what we're looking at doing is, you know, you've you've reduced your calorie intake below what your maintenance level is. Yep. You've achieved some weight loss potentially. Um and we need somewhere to go after that because it might be that that calorie intake is not meeting your nutrient requirements, vitamins, minerals, whatnot, and it's just a generally low amount of energy. So we want to reverse some of the adaptations associated with reducing your calorie intake and get your body back up to a level that is more sustainable. So it originated with physique competitors, for example, and as you said, some um, some sports that relate to diet and performance. Yeah. Long-term period of dieting and it's, it's all about rebound, is that? Yeah, look, so, I mean, anybody who's competed in a physique, figure, bodybuilding competition may be familiar with the sort of the rebound weight gain that occurs. General population who've tried weight loss um, may also be familiar with the fact that when we lose weight very commonly, once we stop the behaviours that got us there, we tend to go back to where we started quite quickly and in some cases go beyond what was put on in the what was lost in the first place we go beyond our starting point and let's be look you've you've competed you play in that area but you do a lot of um diets for a lot of people in different sports and is it real do people care reverse dieting as a concept look when we break down what is actually going on whilst it's not a scientific term per se at this stage it definitely warrants further investigation just to 
shore up some of the mechanisms behind it as it could be an approach that might be helpful to people who have lost large amounts of weight and who are now sitting on a low calorie intake. So let's have a look at, I suppose, pulling it back again. What are some of the impacts of looking at reverse dieting? Yeah, absolutely. So what are the impacts of dieting, in fact? So one of the studies that I always kind of lean on with this, it's it's an article by um, Eric Trexler, uh, Lane Norton, Abby Ryan-Smith, and I'll put the link to this one in the show notes, but basically looks at the adaptations to uh, weight loss in athletes. So as we reduce our energy intake, our body adapts to that new level of calorie intake. Yep. So we see metabolic turndowns of certain processes because we don't have enough energy budget to run those anymore. We shut down things, we turn down efficiency, we increase efficiently efficiency, sorry. Can you humanize that a bit for the people that don't compete? Yeah, absolutely. So when when I've reduced my calories, my body has now instead of having um, eighteen hundred calories or two thousand calories to work with each day, I'm trying to run my business on fifteen hundred calories. So yep. that means I've got a five hundred calorie deficit I need to, my body needs to adapt to. Um, We can do this, our body does this in a number of ways. So it Mm. meets the energy deficit. As we reduce our energy intake, we see uh, some adaptations in our body which occur in order for our body to adapt um, to that lower energy intake. So we see hormones that regulate our body weight uh, change. So we see an increase in hunger and we see a decrease in satiety or the feeling of fullness. We also may see uh, adaptations in our thyroid function. So we might see a reduction in circulating thyroid, which can occur after long periods of dieting, extensive calorie restriction. We may also see reduce reductions in hormones like testosterone. We may see turndowns in um, testosterone, especially in men, but also in females. Uh, other hormones involved in this can include cortisol as well, amongst other ones. So yep. basically our body is trying to get everything done that it needs to on a smaller budget, which uh, we also see potential decreases in lean body mass. So protein is, a, in essence, a storage of energy if we need to tap into it. So if we're consuming large, low levels of energy intake, we might see a reduction in muscle mass as a result of that as well. Muscle is a metabolically active tissue. It requires energy to be maintained. So when we've got a reduction in muscle mass, we also see this turning down of our resting metabolic rate. What's the danger here with just hitting the uh, snack bar again, hitting the food, hitting the restaurants? What, why Why do we need to reverse diet? Well, what can happen, the theory is that if you do it in a stepwise manner, it gives your body the ability to adapt incrementally to this new increase. So just in the same way that our body adapts downwards, mm-hmm. we're in a smaller body, we are burning less energy as a result of being in a smaller body, we've got less muscle mass. Again, we're not, we're not burning as much energy doing that. If we do that in the opposite way, we're giving our body a chance to adapt to that increase. If we do it in an incremental manner, theoretically, our body is going to have a better chance of adapting to that increase without putting on massive amounts of weight. But from a behavioral perspective, also the theory is that if you're increasing your energy intake really quickly, you're overshooting, you're going to be eating an energy excess and put on 
you know, fat mass quite quickly mm-hmm. because you're out of control. You've, you know, the, you've gone from complete restriction to the opposite direction. Can we tap into that a little bit? What, why would I be putting on increased fat mass from... Excess calorie intake? Yeah. Absolutely. So anytime we eat calories in excess of our energy requirements, we have the potential to be putting on fat mass. So if we're, if we're reverse dieting, say we, we're hitting 12, 1500 calories a day towards the end of our competitive stage mm-hmm. and we've competed, had a fun day do the things we do. Yep. Reverse dieting is your strategy right now is, and obviously you're not going to be popular because everyone else is eating pizza and donuts. We've all been to those comps. Do, are we really, do, what I'm trying to get at is why do we really need the reverse dieting? Like if we have one or two fun days and then just go back into our lifestyle, do, do we need reverse dieting? Look, and that's what remains to be seen. Like it, it's, it's because it hasn't, as a concept it hasn't really been you know we need a side-by-side study here where we have you know people who have stepwise increased their calorie intake given their body an ability to adapt versus people who go straight from calorie deficits straight back up to maintenance calories and beyond what the potential is is we do in a stepwise manner we're keeping the brakes on but we're taking the brakes off bit by bit by bit by bit and giving our body a chance to adapt when we go from and i can imagine that's a really good strategy if you if you're competing in more, more than one comp over a period of you know say weeks or even up to months yeah but if I'm, i've got my one comp a year i'm doing and then the rest of my life i'm just going to stay fit for insti for example which is a fair population that we talk to you know th- th- i'm trying to work out this re- reverse dieting is, is it an is it a necessary thing well it, it makes sense from what you're saying hormonally and it makes sense from uh you know you're better off to service your car than wait till your car breaks down yep absolutely. I, I get that strategy but the goal is i suppose is to probably stay closer to the weight loss goal and not go straight back up to so it's healthy habits we're from. talking about here is that is in including healthy habits in the reverse side yeah because i mean a, a lot of people who stand on stage you know, we all know you've got to push the limits of what healthy eating is for a period yeah, some period yeah, of time absolutely and i know what you're talking about let's rebuild that and not like everyone i've ever been to a bodybuilding comp with who has smashed the donuts and the pizza afterwards two hours later is going oh my god i feel so sick so yep. it's not like a health step it's a it's a brain thing it's a brain thing yes so this reverse dieting i'm just trying to get through my head how many people do you think well let's i'll ask this question have you ever asked how many people who are competing do do reverse dieting well and, that, and this is, a, this is and a, i guess that's important to having a good coach too isn't it absolutely yeah. absolutely and a qualified person giving this information yeah. so as it stands like it's a nice theory mm-hmm. In practice, if you've been, you know, cutting down your calories for such a long time and all of a sudden that motivation to stick to that goal is gone, it is, I, I know very few people who have successfully being able to add in 10 grams of carbs per day, per week, over 10 weeks, who've actually been able to achieve that. Mm-hmm. It is, it requires a very intense level of control to be able to do it. And we don't actually know if in practice it actually works. Yeah. So, I mean, what... So I'm Am I going to be a better? Am I going to stand better on stage if I use reverse dieting? You say I compete twice a year, yeah, and not next to each other because I like to punish myself. Like I'm talking periods of months between. Am I going to be a better athlete on stage on the second, third, fourth the, if I practice reverse dieting between those? The theory is that you know you might be able to get your body at a leaner level on higher calories, yep. and so that next time that you go to diet, you are starting from a higher benchmark. You've not put on too much body fat as opposed to going from zero to a hundred, you've gone to zero to 80. So you've got less of a a base to sort of have to chip away from. So in 
theory, it would, you know, it, it works in a way that you, you're not starting from a bigger base. If you're competing uh, on multiple occasions, you're not starting from zero every time. You might diet down, build up your calories. You might put on some extra body fat, but you're not going to put on as much. But we need to look at, okay, what's actually, what are the mechanisms underlying all of this? And, you know, we can't put extra calories back in the diet and not expect somebody to put on weight. And what I sort of suspect is going on here is that when we're, you know, reversing, we're also keeping, let's say, I did 100% compliance. And as soon as I finish, I go back to 0% compliance. If I do 100% compliance, achieve the body weight that I was trying to get to, and I go back to 50% compliance, I haven't gone back to zero. So I might have put on five kilos of weight after my competing as opposed to putting on 10 kilos of weight because I've maintained some of the habits. I've maintained some of the structure. I've maintained, you know, a bit of it, but I haven't maintained all of it. So I can expect to put on some extra body fat after this, but I'm not going to expect to put on all of it because I've maintained some of those habits. And then hormonally, uh, you know, has my body gotten used to the calories, you know, potentially, you know, there is an adaptation. But with every adaptation, we need to take into account that it's going to be different for every person. So there's, we can look at some of the overfeeding research that has been done. So you get these studies where people are deliberately overfed. One that I was looking at, uh, I think it was a Canadian study by Derriaz, Tremblay, Bouchard, 93. So this is, you know, a little while ago now. They overfed 12 pairs of twins by a thousand calories a day for a hundred days. So in the initial period of that study, that's a thousand calories. So that's potentially one third extra um, in this scenario, um, depending on on the size of the person, male yeah. twins. So initially, these twins, the extra calorie group put on 100% of the you know excess energy that was consumed went to what we call body substances or extra body fat. Might have been a bit of muscle. They went to extra. Mm-hmm. But towards the end of the study, this slowed down and they were not just putting on body fat. They were actually adapting to that extra level and only 60% of the energy, excess energy was being, so it slowed down basically their body adapted and what is potentially happening here is that when we lose weight we're losing body mass we're losing body size we're adapting we're slowing down Mm -hmm. movement we're less likely to want to train and in the opposite direction when we add in energy back into the system we see it costs energy to to actually produce fat it costs energy energy to actually produce muscle i have a more likely like a greater likelihood of wanting to move spontaneously. So that aspect increases back up again. When I go to the gym and train, instead of half-assing my session because I'm on low calories, I can go hard for the entire session. So we might see that in the same way we reduce our energy outputs spontaneously on the way down, on the way back up, what might be happening is that because I've got more of a will (laughs) to train, My body's actually putting on more tissue, Mm -hmm. whether that's fat mass or muscle mass, that's going back on, which again requires energy. So some of that energy excess is being consumed by building tissue. And we also see that it actually costs 
more energy. If you're a bigger body, you require more energy. So some of that excess energy is actually going to go back into being in that body where you're at. So it is important to sort of know that what goes down does come back up. But the question is, could it be beneficial? Yeah, how can a reverse diet help me? Let's let's hit that. Yeah, look, it might help to be more mindful about what you're doing on the way back up. Mm -hmm. So it might help you keep 50% of those habits that got you there rather than none of them. Mm-hmm. It might help to give allow your body a chance to adapt to that energy surplus, to be able to get into the gym and train a little bit more with more intention, put on some lean muscle mass without making it all fat mass that's going back on. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, Harriet, we're, we're running around in circles here. Like, I feel like I've reversed you a few times during this chat. Like, how can a reverse diet help? The answer to that still remains that it is not a viable concept at this stage. There's some pretty clever people playing with the idea though, isn't there? There is potential in this space and I'm not denying that by any means at all. However, I think a lot of work needs to be done on the actual mechanisms behind it. We don't, we have circumstantial mechanisms, you know, overfeeding studies, looking at the adaptations to dieting that can occur and extrapolating why this might be useful and how it might work. But in terms of guidelines and actually having it as a tool in the nutrition toolkit at this stage, I don't think we can definitely put our hat on this and say this is a thing. I think there is a lot of promise in this area and I'm going to sit on my big old fence and say, look, watch this space. I definitely, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence to say that this is a useful tool, especially in the competitors space. And it can help a lot of people normalize, renormalize their food, their eating behaviors. Yeah, I think it's got some real general pop stuff too. And and exactly. People who want to lose five kilos lose it and then go, hey, party time. What happens afterwards? The diet after diet. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. So there's certainly a premise there to continue the research in the area but in terms of is it a thing i i think it's it could be and it, it might be in the future but i'm still going have to you got any of your athletes or clients on reverse dieting i wouldn't say what i do with clients afterwards is reverse dieting per se to give somebody after a weight cut a very restrictive diet it's not just not going to happen <laughs> well it's not going to happen yeah, like okay. My motivate, I I know, like there's theory and then there's practice. And I'll tell you straight away in practice, once that deadline is gone, I've got Buckley's chance. Game on. Sound like my mother, Buckley's. Mm. But I've got very little chance of them complying and nor should they because, you know, when we're doing weight cuts and whatnot, it's the period's gone. You don't need to be that weight anymore. No worries. So we need to get back into the world of the living. That said, when I was talking before about going from 100% compliance down to 0% compliance, this is one of the things that gets lost in weight loss is you can't get to your weight goal whatever that might be, and expect to go back to your previous way of eating, living and whatnot and expect those things to change. It This really acknowledges the need for there to be some sort of transition, some sort of middle ground that allows people to maintain some of their results whilst also integrating, you know, social occasions and some, you know, fun foods or some, you know, foods that are not classically sort of health foods per se back into their diet without completely going the opposite direction. And so in that respect, I you know, I think it needs to be acknowledged that there needs to be work in this space and there needs to be acknowledgement. So I will always require my clients after the fact, after their weight cut or after whatever, to be checking in and just ensuring that they haven't gone completely wild and, you know, they've got to have some kind of structure there, whether it's So what are some of the other ways 
ways of halting the effects of that previous diet? Like if you're not going to use reverse dieting? Well, look, there's there's the linear approach to weight loss, which is you start at week one, you go to week 12 and you maintain your calorie deficit the whole time. There's some really great new research around the concept of intermittent dieting. So that's to say that you do one week, two weeks of calorie restriction and then taking some time out, you know, maybe one or two weeks off and going back to maintenance calories. And, you know, initial research at the moment is saying that this is actually really feasible. A, it's better for compliance. I can go for two weeks, but I can't go for eight weeks. So we're chunking it down with small goals. Mm -hmm. And this is not to be confused with, say, intermittent fasting where, you know, you're creating a calorie deficit day by day. Intermittent dieting looks more at taking breaks from the diet, going back to normal eating behaviours or calorie maintenance calories and then re-establishing that calorie deficit for another two-week block. So So you'd be doing two-week on, two-week off? Potentially. Okay. And what we're... No real research around that either. What the research currently is trying to ascertain is what would be an optimal protocol. So we've had the Matador study, which came out of the University of Tasmania, which was fantastic, which looked at intermittent dieting and saw, I think it was a 10 days on and a couple of days off. I'd have to go back through and look at that one exactly, but it was basically yeah, 10 days on dieting and then one or two days off. And that saw not only did it see um, better compliance, so people were actually able to stick to it for longer. When they went back to their normal eating behaviors, I think there was better body composition in the long term as well. So people weren't putting on as much weight in the aftermath. So again, we're looking at this concept of reverse dieting or taking breaks or any way that we can get people to adhere to these changes for longer in a way that's sustainable as being really beneficial. We just don't know exactly what the best way to do it or if there is in fact a best way to do it. There's a researcher in Western Australia who's been doing some great work over there. Uh, Payos, um, Norton, Helms, Andy Galpin have all done a great study on considerations around uh, intermittent dieting and they are looking at how intermittent energy restriction on a two-week-on basis and then taking a weekend off. They even look at five days on, two days off. There's a lot of different ways we could be doing this it's shifting calories around at the end of the day mm-hmm. but it's also acknowledging the fact that we're humans we don't just eat in a linear fashion we're not robots we have social occasions we have anniversaries we have birthdays we have bad days and it's i suppose acknowledging that we don't have to do 100% to get results we can probably do 70% and still get results and also we're not seeing the same metabolic downturns those adaptations aren't as apparent when we can have these diet breaks in there we see a little bit of a, a potential sort of saving in there of you know we're not going to binge we're not being driven to eat as much as it's not as intense feelings of deprivation when we have these diet breaks breaks. So, you know, this is definitely shaking up the conventional continual continuous dieting and looking at different ways to achieve the goal of reduced body fat whilst maintaining lean muscle mass in different in different ways. And I think the end product is going to look something like, okay, these are your options, which one's best for you? 
So it's it's a funny any look anytime somebody says that something is gospel, I always have to be like, well, actually, I can give you you know I can poke some holes in that. Yep. It's not to say it's completely wrong, and it's not to say that it won't be more correct. Or once we actually figure out what the why this is working, that's when I can have a little bit more faith in something. I, right. I really want to know before I start saying this is it. I want to know why it's working and that it's going to work for most people most of the time before I say it's gospel. And yep. you know, very few approaches actually achieve that status <laughs> yeah okay yeah so if you're competing Harriet, are you going to reverse diet out of it yes or no me knowing me no (laughs) only because i know i get to the end of that period a look normally if i'm undertaking a weight cut for a sport i haven't done anything silly yeah i've done small changes that i can probably maintain and when i finish i also know that i'm not going to be surprised when i put that weight back on so i haven't set myself up for failure in that respect let's throw this out in a different scenario just to finish up what about and i'll use a female's example i'm sorry to everyone if i did the bride that wants to get in to her dress, drop 10 kilos to get in the dress for the big day. Yes. Should she consider reverse dieting coming out of wedding day? At this stage, I or groom, yeah. either or. At this stage, look, I think it is it is pays to be mindful of the fact that once you stop doing what you did, you may very well be putting that weight back on. Yeah. If I was that bride, I, <laughs> I would be. Like you just said no to competing and doing reverse dieting. So say you are that bride and we're not going to put pressure on anyone. <laughs> I would. Are we? No, I would be. <laughs> I would be looking at okay. What of the all the things that I have done? Reduce my calorie intake, increase my training, uh, reduce my alcohol intake. Yep. All of those things. What can I maintain long term? And what are the things I'm definitely not like? I'm not going to be getting up at five thirty every second day to go to boot camp anymore. Yeah, okay. I'm. That's probably going to be the first thing that goes. Yeah. So I'm going to be looking at what are some of the things I can maintain and what are the things that I – and also just being like, well, maybe this is not my sustainable weight and being okay with that. I think it is kind of weird when people try and lose large amounts of weight for special occasions only to like knowingly that they're not going to be able to maintain that. It's like, well, that's not how you look. So why are you presenting that to the world if that's not how you look? But anyway, that's aside. I get it, but I also don't get it. Harriet, you live in a bubble. Bubble, yes. <laughs> Let's pop that bubble. Greg, thanks. Uh, thanks for that's, that. That's uh, reverse dieting. It is a thing. It's something to consider. Obviously, there's some good people doing some more research on that, so we'll learn more and more about that in the future. I think we could do a podcast in about two, three years' time and would have a lot more to say on this. But for now, it is a concept that is worth digging into a little bit more. You know, I'm, I'm truly saying this will be part of mass populations in the future, if you ask me. I think it's definitely worth looking into for the sake of everybody out there who can't maintain the weight loss, which is most people, it really warrants looking into why can't we yeah, exactly. and then addressing some of those things. Absolutely. So I think there's there's legs mechanistically. I think it needs to be shored up a little okay. bit more. You should do a PhD on it. I'm going to go now. Oh, Bye. see ya. <laughs> Today's podcast was brought to you by our partners in Fit, Happy and Healthy, ASN, Nutrition Warehouse, DY Discount Vitamins, Fat Burners Only, Evelyn Fay, Mr. Supplement, or find a retailer online at bodyscience.com.au forward slash retailers.